one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we delve into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community, find the saltiest stories, those salty confessionals that we love, haul them back up in our mind cart, and share them with you, our dear prospectors. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mike. Say hey, Mike. Hey. And you guessed it, Tony's not here. So we're joined by our guest host, Nick. Hey, Nick. Our most esteemed, extra special, top of the line guest host, Nick. <laughs> Royalty is the correct <laughs> word. For people not on the Patreon, we posted the episode with Pat, and Nick was like, What the fuck, guys? You you called Pat a guest host? You never called me a guest host. And I, I opened up my phone and went to like just a random episode with Nick and scrubbed in like a couple minutes into the episode. And we were like, our guest host, Nick. And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> Take it to the tape. Yeah. I was yeah. like, let me look at the actual data here. Uh, I will say, I though, wrong. episode six, I don't think we did. But nine, we did. And 11. Maybe that's what I was remembering. I was re- I was specifically, I remember, I remember episode six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. That was episode six that <laughs> stuck <lodged>. with me. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm impressed you did the whole intro in one take. Like, actually one take. This is not even me lying to, yeah. to give safe face for Sam. He actually did it in one take. That's good. Tony and I have realized that Sam is almost too clean with it, and we need to start throwing curveballs in to, yeah, to throw him off now. Keep it authentic and point. real. Well, get him at the end. Get him at the end of the episode. Yeah. It kind of feels like I'm at the point now where I start to say it, and like my eyes roll back in my head like the Manchurian candidate and I just become I'm just taken over by some weird programming it's the yeah. same when I do like the closing spiel <laughs> like I feel like my voice is different I'm like not in control of what I'm doing and I'm just on autopilot <laughs> nice yep so how's your kitty cat Nick your, your cat was in some emergency cat surgery uh, it wasn't, to be fair, it wasn't an emergency. Well, we good. had planned it. Yeah, yeah, we had planned it. Um, yeah, she's doing okay. She's she's getting better. She, uh, I, I got the notification on my phone. She just went to the bathroom, which is nice. Hell yeah, that's great. Wait, you have a notification getting... for that? Now? Oh yeah, my friend. Have you not heard of the power of like robotic litter boxes? They're amazing. Know. Yeah, yeah. So we have, uh, it's called the Whisker, uh, Ooh. or the, it's called the Litter Robot, um, and basically it's like one of those automated ones. So like when it go when she goes in it, she'll like trigger it and then it like waits like 10, 15 minutes until after it no longer detects her. And then it basically like the whole kind of drama of it rotates mm-hmm. and it filters out the litter and then it rotates back to put the litter back in place. That's the one Pam from the office is always in the ads from. And I'm so sorry to the actress that I don't know her actual <laughs> name, but I know I know she plays Pam. Dude, she's <laughs> listening right now. She's fucking flipping yeah, out she's mad <laughs> yeah uh, i doubt it but if she is i'm sorry <laughs> yeah anyway the, the the super fancy thing is it's connected to the wi-fi and so i have an app on my phone and i get notifications every time my cat goes to the bathroom wow we're living in the future everybody that's amazing i mean <laughs> truthfully that is really useful when you need to like monitor your cat's useful, health <laughs> but also like 
you know, that's where we are as a society. This <laughs> this is an option available to you for the low, low cost of like $300. So Mike wow. and I are on that pellet breeze system, dude. And yep. I got to say, it's pretty fucking awesome. It's a breeze. The pellets yeah. are great. You don't have to deal with litter. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. Litter is the downside. Like we we moved her litter box to the basement a while ago, and that was such a great decision. But mm-hmm. even still, she manages to track like upstairs. Yeah, I got to do that at some point. But like my basement has mice in it and just is kind of gross and creepy and old. And like Zuki I don't will hunt those mice. Yeah. She'll get them. <laughs> but I don't really want her like eating no. weird mice that might totally. have eaten like, I don't know, my neighbor's mouse poison or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I don't even think she would eat it. My cat Zucchini, I love her so much. She's 11. She's caught two mice in her entire life. <laughs> and one, we only think that she caught and we're not really sure. This is in like our old apartment in Providence. And one day it was like in the summer and I was like, man, the room kind of stinks. Oh, no. And she's, my, my wife was like, yeah, it smells weird. I was like, do you think the cat peed under the bed or something? She's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, oh, it smells weird over here. And I like moved this uh, suitcase that was under our our bed. And there's just like this oh, no. dead, like mummified mouse. Uh, and it's tiny. Uh, it's like super, super tiny. So then we move into our house, uh, you know, years later. And um, people hadn't really been living here before we moved in. Like the other people had already got a house, the people who were selling it. And it's a fucking old house. My house is built in in uh, like the 1800s. It's very old. So there's definitely mice here. <laughs> and, and like we move in and, you know, a few weeks in, maybe a couple weeks in, we wake up and there's just a dead mouse on the floor. And it's big, like a big fucking mouse. And Zucchini is like so proud, so stoked. <laughs> He's just like, check out what I did. And we're like, oh, you're so great. You did it. And it was, it was just really funny. It was like the only time she ever has. We've even had. We even had a mouse in our bedroom one time and Zucchini was in the bedroom and we were like, Zucchini, get the mouse. So we closed the doors, right? So that the mouse doesn't get out. And Zucchini goes into panic mode because that's what we do when we have to like grab her and put her in the cat carrier and take her to the vet. So she's like running away from us and I'm like, get the fucking mouse, dude. Like, what are you doing? You worthless cat. Get the fucking mouse. So. I have to get the mouse. I had to yeah. kill the mouse with like a Swiffer is what I used. To. And Oof. it was, uh, it was brutal, but I had to do it for the safety of my family. We had, this was maybe a couple of years ago at this point in our current house. We like, my wife and I were like sitting watching TV and, uh, just see a mouse scurry across the floor towards oh, the dining room. God. Like God, the crap. worst dude. So tell her about it. She of course is like, what? Oh no. And, uh, <laughs> I managed to like trap it in not like literally trap it yet but like get it into the corner between like a cabinet and the wall and to a point where there's like literally no place to go but i can't really reach it to like get it out in any meaningful way Mm -hmm. and so we're like puzzling over what do we do what do we do uh and like okay well grab like a tupperware or something and we can kind of like use like the end of a broomstick to like push it towards (laughs) the tupperware so we could like trap it and get it outside and like while we're doing this knowledge just kind of like skirts over it's like hey guys what's going on what are you guys up to <laughs> like no cognitive interest about like what we're doing or that there's some sort of other animal like near her vicinity just completely oblivious oh my god <sighs> yeah it was fun anyway like the uh we i like moved the cabinet and my wife had like the lid of a tupperware that we were going to use to like trap it into the like bottom half of the tupperware and so the mouse 
scurries towards her like out the exit and of course she panics and she just drops the lid and just by luck the lid drops on top of the mouse so the mouse is like flat underneath the lid and like there, there's like enough room on the lid that it's not like smooshing it but yeah. it's still like stuff you know it's not going anywhere and so now it's like well now what the fuck do we do uh and so i'm like okay this like i can't if i lift the lid the thing's gonna run away i can't you know, I need to like something to get like underneath it. And so I ended up getting like one of those like green craft cutting boards <laughs> and like slid it underneath the mouse and like had a mouse sandwich. And then I like walked it outside and I just yeeted the thing into the woods. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> well, salt, maybe salt, a little salt, just a little salt. How about some salt? Yeah, we're. We're here to talk about salt, guys. We're here to talk about Magic the Gathering. Certainly not anything else. You may be fooled, but this isn't a podcast about cat litter. This isn't a podcast about killing mice. This isn't a podcast about food, referring to our last episode, not the, that we're eating mice or anything. Um, this or is a podcast we? about salty stories, and we're going to get into that. But Sam, what is salt? Ooh, nice, Mike. Hmm. That's a great question. Salt is frustrations in the game. Uh, salt is really anything that happens in a Magic the Gathering game. Maybe you're playing EDH. Maybe you're playing head-to-head in like a 60-card format. But it's anything that really kind of pisses you off, gets you a little bit tilted. Salt can be really little salt where something gets removed after you just played it. And you're like, ah, man, I just played that thing. Come on. And salt can be really big where you're like, this fucking bullshit game. I fucking hate you. <laughs> table flip. Yeah, the the, the table flip. Um Yeah, I mean, there are many different forms of salt, from the small grains to the full shakers, and we're here to talk about it all. Ooh, well put, well put. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to write that one down. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) save that one for later. Put it in a bio somewhere. Agusa, save room for later. (laughs) Uh, Well, you guys want to get into it? Let us do it. Let's fucking do it. Uh, Let's go. I gotta bring the Tony energy Let's today. Get right? Salty. Let's... <laughs> uh, so let's start it off with a story that we received from our Gmail. This one comes to us from our friend Phil, and this one is titled First Modern Event with a Kitchen Table Deck." Mm, bold. Mm, and the story goes: Hey, gangsters! Oh. Ooh, hmm. salt gangsters! Oh, interesting. Gee. <laughs> Core set 2013 had just dropped. I had a toe back in the magic pool and decided a new mediocre core set was the best time to commit and cannibal back in fully. Truth. Yep. Love those core sets. I bought two boxes and shame cracked the entire payload at about <laughs> one in the morning. <laughs> Speaking of terms we need to save. Yeah, shame cracked. That's so good. <laughs> I've two been boxes. there, dude. The, the yeah. best part about saying two boxes at one in the morning is that that's secretly like two boxes from 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. Because yeah. that, that takes a while. <laughs> and then you're just surrounded by like cellophane wrappers and shame. Yep. And chaff. Yeah. Come next Friday, I was ready to go to my first Friday Night Magic. I asked the guy what they're playing, and he looks at my deck. It looks like your deck is modern legal. You can sign up here. Of course it's modern legal. It's the new set. 
<laughs> I can't stress enough that this was my first time constructing and playing in about six years and made entirely out of two Corset 2013 boxes. Oh, man. And he's going into a modern event. Yeah. A modern event. <laughs> so I get to my first opponent, and I open the nut hand. Two islands, two Jace's Phantasms, two Mind Sculpts, and an Omniscience. Yeah, that's actually not that bad. I'm on the draw, so my opponent plays a Plains and passes. I draw a Thrag Tusk. I bet you thought my deck was mono blue. <laughs> <laughs> I play my island and my first Phantasm. My opponent plays Path to Exile, po points to my Phantasm, and says he gets exiled. That's how turn two goes, too. Another Path to Exile. I cast my Mind Sculpt onto my opponent's Spell Pierce, and having not drawn any more lands, I'm unable to pay it. I lose pretty hard, easy to guess. So we shuffle up, and game two goes no better. As I'm putting my stuff away, the guy hands me Path to Exile and says, by the way, you could have gotten lands when I pathed your creatures. Oh. Ooh. So scummy, dude. Oh, scummy. Ew. There's a rule nowadays that says any benefits your opponents might get in that regard has to be made clear. That was not a rule at the time. Or if it was, I didn't know about screaming judge in a crowded room to get everyone to start whispering. So I left my first Friday Night Magic thinking, maybe I'll just keep buying for a while. One day I found a Commander Precon, 100 cards, and it's a deck, and convinced a couple friends to try it with me, and the rest is history. And then there's a little PS here. Love the show, guys. Moved back to Michigan recently with a very long commute, and your episodes help it sail by. wonder if he's near Tony. Looking yeah, into some say. merch pretty soon here as well. Hell yeah, get that merch. Get that Congratulations merch. on all the success you guys are seeing. You seriously deserve it. Oh, thanks, Aww, dude. Thank you. Appreciate that, Phil. Wow. So all modern players are tryhards, right? Is that yeah, the takeaway? The major, yeah, that's like major, majorly scummy, dude. Especially yeah. like scummy. stuck on mono blue. I can't imagine that Jace's Phantasm was like a meta indicating card yeah. too, right? So like, yeah. even if you didn't know the player, know the deck, I feel like you could pretty quickly figure out that this person is not coming, you know, with like your $1,000, $2,000 budget, you know, modern meta breaking deck. Yeah. And you, you still have the audacity to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm Path of Exile, by the way. By the there's way, another clause here. Yeah, this yeah. is something a little bit more on this card, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe terrible. this is just my experience in like LGSs, but there's way there's usually a little more like chit chat during the game too, of like, oh, how long have you been playing? Like that's like that is the right. go-to standard question that I see yeah. people like try to kick off a conversation with it's kind of the temperature gauge too if someone doesn't really want to talk to you very much they'll be like eh, a bit and you're like okay yeah. i'll play my land and <laughs> an answered all right yeah okay <laughs> but like you know to maybe constructed events like a modern event are a little different than that but yeah. it's just uh i'm so sorry to this person for having yeah. that experience it's such a terrible way to get, try and get back into the game too so many people failed at so many points, like the tournament organizer being like, yeah, modern is the format for you. <laughs> like the opponent being like, fuck you, get pathed and don't know what it does. Yeah, let's like, half yeah. resolve this. <laughs> yeah. And then a little bit, you know, this player where they're like not reading the cards that their opponent is casting against them, which like, you know, you can't be blamed, especially when you're just getting back into a game. It can be a lot. Yeah. It's overloading. It's confusing. There's this tournament setting. Like, there's all this stuff going on. But, you know, it is still your responsibility. You should you should try and read the cards. And uh, I'm glad that yeah. the 100-card format, the commander, was a, a cleaner on-ramp than 
jumping right back into the deep end of modern for you. Well, and like, you know, when you're a newer player, right? Like it is intimidating to question somebody who is more experienced Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, can I read that? What does the rest of that say? Like, I I would feel uncomfortable in that place, especially if I'm sure it was probably like path that's exiled, remove it. Yeah. And then he moves on to the next thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like there's no real like, you know, there's there's probably not a spot to like interject there to say, oh, what does that do? Like, you know, what does that cost? And especially if they're like clearly bringing a bad attitude to the game in the first place, like, man, that's an uncomfortable situation to be in. And I, I sympathize. But man, what a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Also, they're, you know, like, they're probably pretty garbage at the game if they're pathing turn one Jace's phantasm. Right. Like, that's not <laughs> that intimidating. <laughs> Also, to they did it twice, like two Jace's Phantasms. Yeah. I mean, Jace's Phantasm can get bulky, but only if your opponent has 10 or more cards in their graveyard, then it becomes a 5-5, five, five, which, you know, is great. But just like a 1-1 one, one for one flying, I don't see that like tilting things too much. But man, you know, it is really an interesting tempo play, giving your opponent two additional lands on the first two turns. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> They're untapping turn three with four lands. It's like... Okay, yeah, like that's kind of bad. <laughs> that's that's a very good point. You said it, but what was the what core set was this? A uh, twenty thirteen core set twenty thirteen. Okay. So this is like pre commander, which is like interesting, right? Because I think like yeah, there's a reason why commander has popularity, and I feel like it it is somewhat situations like this where like if at the time right Friday night magic was very tournament heavy, right? You go to a specific you know friday night magic mm-hmm. event be mm-hmm. it standard or modern even limited or you know limited right i mean limited would probably have been a better situation for this person but like yeah at least like my understanding right and I, i'm not an expert here but my understanding is like there's not a lot of like off play beyond what is going on for that night yeah this the tournament organizer be like oh that deck's not really gonna stand up i get why they probably didn't do that because it's probably like well you could either play your janky modern deck or not play at all, right? It was right. probably the kind of two options, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it does make sense, right? That's kind of why Commander came up as some alternate thing to do that is not nearly as as cutthroat. So That's a really yeah. interesting point, Nick. It's one of the major flaws I feel Magic has where it it is a game. It is a core concept of it is this fun thing that you get to play with people. Yeah. And... In a lot of ways, 90% of the way the format exists is in this somewhat competitive environment. Like Mm -hmm. you're finding these standard events, whatever it is. A lot of those events, organized play is is really organized around competition. Whereas a majority of what people are looking for when they go to play it, I think, is more the fun kind of goofy nature of resolving fun spells. And and Commander is definitely the thing that tapped into that and, and why it's flourished so much. Yeah, I mean, the social aspect of Commander, I think, is the reason why it's so big. And not, uh, not even to mention, like, the creativity of deck building and personal expression, running janky cards, all that kind of shit. But even just to be able to sit down with three other friends and yeah. play a game, uh, or if you three people play a game, you know, you can you can do 60-card decks in three-way, but it's not quite the same. So I, I think it, it really is that kind of, like, laid-back, like, casual... Uh, just having fun with your friends feels more like a board game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something you said before, Nick, that like commander is almost kind of like a board game that yeah. everybody's bringing their own pieces to, and they all like work together in harmony. Well, and this is like, I think maybe I've said it on here before, but this is why I personally have aversions to limited is because limited every time I've played limited, even with friends, the experience is always very 
insular and singular because you're like you're drafting cards quietly you're building your deck quietly you're playing against one other opponent who's not really talking to you because it's not in their advantage to talk to you and it's like okay <laughs> this is not really very fun so i, I know mike feels differently i can see yeah. his eyes glaring at me but i'm not anyway, glaring i'm not glaring i'm just uh i've said my piece on that I'll, yeah. I'll say it another time but uh, but yeah, I mean, like, like, calm down, dude. Stop glaring at Nick. Dude, dude how dare on, you? <laughs> <laughs> All that is to say is there's there's a reason that Commander exists, and I think it it is this type of like, what is the alternate yeah. for you to do when there is a competitive thing that you are not equipped to participate in? Well, it, it's funny you say that, Nick, because I my favorite thing about limited is drafting. Like, mm. I love drafting. I love like passing the cards around and being like, oh, my deck is a piece of shit and everybody's joking. And like, you're like, oh, you didn't take this card and like kind of making little jokes at the people next to you. I love like the deck building part where you're like, man, this deck is going to be kind of janky. It's going to do weird things. And then I get like two games in and I'm like, can we just draft more? Like, <laughs> like I don't want to <laughs> yes. play this shitty deck I've made. Yeah. I want to crack packs and look at cards and like kind of make some fun selections. That's crafting. really why I enjoy cube drafts. Yeah, uh, which is something that I'm like new to. Like Mike and I had our first cube draft experience. Yeah, uh, I got Magic to go uh, do one with uh, Rothbox as well. Super fun. Oh, sick. Um, but yeah, it's it's just super fun because it's curated. Like it's curated yeah. to help you make a really fun to play deck. And to me, that's where most limited formats fall short for me. Where I'm like, you know, it's fun to draft. It's fun to build the deck. It's not fun to play the deck. I'm like, yeah, I don't have four, to drop four, Jace's sucks. phantasms <laughs> twice. <laughs> so uh, what do you guys think the, the salt rating here is? Uh, I mean, it's definitely pretty high, but I'm, I'm impressed with OP for, uh, you know, at least sticking out with magic. Cause that, that is like a, a salt burn of an experience to be like, oh, I'm going to go play Friday night magic for the first <laughs> time and like immediately get pub sopped by some dickhead who doesn't let you play the cards correctly. <laughs> yeah. I think that withholding of information, uh, I mean, we've talked about that a lot on this show. It, it's just so scummy. And yeah. especially with somebody who's a new player, like yeah. you, you got to foster your new players. You got to really care for them because those are going to be the people who are the experienced players like in a couple of years who are teaching right. other new players, you know? Yeah. That's like how the hobby grows and becomes more diverse and, and more cool. So whenever I hear that kind of stuff, it's high salt for me. And if I was in that situation, dude, I don't, I don't know if I'd go back to magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, you want to win on your skill, not your opponent's lack of skill. And like, yes, that makes a skill differential, but that's not what yeah. you should be going for. You know, you want right. to be winning off of you being really good, not just like, like it's so underwhelming if your opponent just misplays and you're like, okay, whatever this, I agree. I think this is, this is pretty high salt, especially this predatory behavior on a new player. Like that sucks. Yeah, that's really uh, terrible. I like I get that maybe there's prizes on the line, but it's probably like two packs. That's not worth having another person that you might be able to play games against at some point. So yeah. that, that's a huge shame to me. It, it's the kind of like, I feel like there's clips, you know, on the internet of like, a baby being excited for food and then being given like a spoon of something like <laughs> spicy or really like sweet or in this yeah. case pretty salty and their face just being like whoa what what is that <laughs> what this is, is this? that experience to me yeah a spoonful of salt no notes that sucks 
Don't don't pick on new people. Come on, guys. Be better than that. Yeah. Let people get the land off of a path to exile. Yeah. <laughs> let, let them play the card as it's written. <laughs> well, you guys ready for another one? Yeah. Hit, Let's do it. Hit us with it. All right. So this is a short one, but it's similar, but different. And I just feel like it, it kind of fits. Uh, so this is a Patreon post. And, and the post title here is called Self Mill, but for idiots. <laughs> <laughs> And this one comes to us from our friend, Life is Plain. And it goes, short one, had a Friday Night Magic where my Elsha combo deck was defeated by a wheel deck when I forgot that Consecrated Sphinx's ability is a May ability. <laughs> and I had several card draw amplifiers on board. My opponent didn't correct me, but they knew. I'm telling myself they knew. Anyways, <laughs> how old were you guys when you were kicked in the head by a horse? <laughs> oh man (laughs) yeah consecrated sphinx says you may draw up to two cards i personally always forget that like i legitimately always forget that one i think when you guys did it for maybe even i was on the episode but when we did it for uh the salty card of the week yeah we talked about this clause specifically on how like if you wanted to somewhat down tune uh, consecrated Sphinx, you could change it from a May clause to a must. Yeah, mm-hmm. listeners of episode 43 will know. Yeah, we'll throw it back. Wow, indeed. Mike, Mike with the fucking... It's because <laughs> I have a tracker for that. He's got the sheet. <laughs> He's got the sheet. We put it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think this is like... You know, this is... Sometimes you just play your cards wrong and, and fuck yeah. up and are embarrassed and you're like, well... Either like you lost the game or you won it and you shouldn't have, or you just yep. like kind of threw it off to the point where it can't be backtracked. And that kind of shit is just really funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love this mentality. Full disclosure, this is not actually a beneficial mentality to have going into a game, but convincing yourself that the opponent did know this. Yeah. <laughs> that, to me, that is so funny. Like I find myself falling into that trap all the time. Like, Someone someone casts a wheel when you have a really good thing in your hand and you're like, I know, I know they were getting rid of this <laughs> super important piece yeah. that I had. Or like <laughs> someone stops you, plays a stacks piece right before you're going to have some kind of crazy combo that it is inhibited by. And you're like, oh, damn, they must have known ahead of time that yeah. this was about to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not on your opponents to make sure that you play your cards correctly. Yep. You know, where it's specifically benefiting you, not this topic. (laughs) Well, no, but like this one in particular, right, is like you you have full, you know, knowledge to read the card and there's there's no action for the opponent to take that says the opponent must explain how your card works for you. Yeah, yeah. Your cards, you need to understand. Your opponent's cards, they should explain. But your cards, you definitely need to understand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny because like they're still taking legal actions by doing all these draws. You know right. what I mean? It's not like they they weren't uh, they didn't have the trigger or it was forced on them and they chose not yeah. to do it. It's like they're choosing to do the may, uh, right. whether they were kind of aware of it or not. They may draw those cards, and god damn it, they're gonna. <laughs> yeah, they're doing it, man. They drew that whole damn deck. <laughs> it's not like they're uh, playing glands out of the graveyard with a git frog. Uh, like... <laughs> yeah. well, hold on. I wasn't gonna mention it, but <laughs> oh, I was thinking it. Yep. Did we talk anyway. about that <laughs> yet? I think we did. I, I think, think that's we did. in. I think it's in I think the. That's... Uh, 
my salt that I'm withholding. The, <laughs> stray, the stray grains, grains yeah. that you'll never the ever send to me. Stray grains I refuse to release yeah. on principle. No. The lost stray no. grains. <laughs> yeah, the lost stray grains. <laughs> the super uh, stray the grains. Double, yeah, the, the even strayer grains. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that kind of stuff is really funny, though, because I think that's something that every Magic player can relate to, which is just reading your cards wrong. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes the board state is so complex that you lose track of what things do. Things get cast, things get resolved, triggers get activated, and you're not really like paying attention to your opponent's sequencing or something. Um, I mean, it's a little different when there's only a Jace's Phantasm on the board and you cast Path to Exile. But when it's four players and they all have complex board states and you're like, yeah, this thing's happening. Mm-hmm. You're just like, yeah, of course, you're playing lands out of the graveyard. Like, that's what land combo decks do. And then you're right. like, oh, I actually couldn't have been doing this. <laughs> and it's one of those things where, like, part of what makes magic so interesting but also so hard to get into to some extent is that single words matter like leads yes like it's yep. almost it's almost the meme of magic players is like uh, i think you know I, I saw something comparing like Yu-Gi-Oh players and magic players and pokemon players <laughs> and the blurb for magic players is like magic players will explain how since it says may here and player there instead of opponent it actually means that you know this effect doesn't happen and that does and you've <laughs> lost the game it's like <laughs> it really is the case this this is yeah. one word may the card could be printed exactly the same whenever an opponent draws a card you draw two cards it's one word that drastically alters how a game happens. So like, yeah. it is it is something where you really end up beating yourself up about it, but you kind of can't too because everybody misses a word here and there. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just so then, easy to do. The other thing to add is I think it's very easy to like autopilot cards in your head and like, <laughs> yes, you, you know, to like Path of, Path of Exile and, and Source to Plowshares are a great example of this is <laughs> yeah. like, I always mix those two up and it's like one gets you a land, one gets you life. And for the life of me, like, you know, if put to the test, I could probably tell you which was which, but like, all I know is that the important part is that it exiles a creature and the rest of it is like, "Ah, I'll figure it out. And like, there's, (laughs) there's definitely like, even if you know a deck really well, like you do get to a certain point where it's like, you hear the name, you kind of autopilot what the effect mostly is, but there Mm -hmm. might be clauses of it that you specifically forget, or, you know, in this case, the may, or, you know, other abilities that you thought were there were not there. So like, it it just kind of happens. I think, uh, you know, this case is particularly entertaining. Yeah. I I feel like I'm always asking to draw a second card off of Esper Sentinel. Like (laughs) I just can't, I cannot get that in my head that it it is. It's not just the first spell. Yeah. I'm always like, Oh, uh, are you paying for that? And they're like, I already paid. I'm like, oh, yeah. But yeah. with Crom, where it's like you draw on the second non-creature spell they cast, easy, dude. I, I fucking do that every single time. Or second spell or whatever it is. Like, I always get that. For some reason, it being the second one, I'm like very aware of it. But the first, I'm like, I get it every single time, don't I? <laughs> I think one of the other things that makes situations like this like really hard to catch too is when you've been repeatedly interacting with something one way and then you need to change how you're operating with it like oh yeah this does this i draw two cards oh yeah this does this i draw two cards oh actually this time it's a may i'm not going to that is really hard to like wrap your head around sometimes 
Yeah, that's a really good point, especially in, I mean, it sounds like this might have been a CDH game or at least a very high power game, High power, yeah. but especially when like shit is hitting the fan and you're like, man, stuff is happening. Someone's comboing off. Your head isn't really on like accurate trigger resolution in those moments. You know what I mean? Uh, at least for me, I just kind of get like pulled into it. In CDH, I feel like that's those moments, those tense moments where a lot of stuff is happening is usually when someone like fucks up against a stacks piece and like cast something and we're like, uh, no, you actually can't cast that or, or you yeah. know, something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's just an aspect of paper magic in general, right? Which is yeah. just board state management and mm -hmm. tracking and like yeah. commander makes that literally three times harder, four times harder yeah. than it would be in a normal <laughs> if game. Not more if not more, yeah. right? Because you're not tracking just your opponent's board state, but also your two other opponent's board states. And your boards are inherently more complex because all it's single cards and yikes. So, dude, yeah, I was playing a game a few weekends ago with our friend Emmett, our friend Eric, and then our friend Ian, uh, Comedian MTG. He was playing Emmett's Arkelos deck, which is the like turtle where uh, things come in tapped or come in untapped. It was this like crazy, crazy spicy combo deck, but the turns were like 20 minutes and I had no idea what was going on. And I just turned to Eric and we just had like a conversation about stuff. But I will say I did listen. I had a mana tithe in my hand and I did like <laughs> listen just enough until he fully tapped out on a coloring ritual. And then I countered it with my mana tithe after like a 20 minute turn of comboing. I was just like counter spell. <laughs> and I won that game. It was great. Amazing. You were you were waiting to find a place to interject that story, weren't you? Uh yeah. I can tell. <laughs> Gotta I, I, where I've, can I where I've can I show about it? A claim. <laughs> well, I've got one of those too, just the other day. <laughs> I was <laughs> Dude, there, there's only so many times in your life that you get to manative, uh, you know, professional CDH player, comedian, and just <laughs> completely bring him to his knees, like with with one of the arguably weirdest counter spells in the game. Like it fucking yep. felt great. Yeah, <laughs> especially with a ton of prizing on the line too. Good job, Sam. Really proud of you. <laughs> he was clearly playing at his his most precise. <laughs> I, hey, I did. Buy myself some cheesecake afterwards as a prize. There you yes. go. <laughs> so, uh, what's the uh, the salt rating on this one? Eh? Ooh, nice Mix one, Nick. Up. Um, I mean, to me, this is just fun salt. It's just like those mm -hmm. moments where you're like, ah, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, I'm stupid, and you know, let's laugh about it. Like, yeah. this is this yeah. is just a perfectly perfect level of seasoning for me, and yep. very enjoyable. It's just like a ideal Homer dope. It's like you really got yourself. You done did it. You were set up for success and you opted to just take the losing game action. Yep. Yep. That that's I I agree. I concur. <laughs> How about one more for us, Sam? Let's do it. Uh so this is another Gmail submission. And this one comes to us from our friend MTG Daddy. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> No comment. I'm better than Tony. Tony would have things to say. I'm better than that. <laughs> I I I think just by not saying the things and kind of referencing them, it's everyone implied. knows where we were, where we could have gone there. Um, where the could we goes. have gone there? Yeah. Where Where is that location, Sam? Ooh, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we left it unreferenced. Yeah, we exactly. No, we didn't. You know me. I'm I'm very good at not stepping over the line when, yeah. when those are drawn. <laughs> And the post goes, 
Hey, you amazing salty miners. Do I have a salty story for you? Just this past weekend, I was at my first ever MTG event playing some commander and trying out modern. I've never really played modern. I still went in to have some fun. After the first two matches, going game three with my goblin charbelcher deck, I still felt good despite being zero to two. Everyone was having fun until game three. Going into game three, knowing that both my opponent and I weren't going to win any prizes, I thought we could have a lighthearted game and just see how each of our decks worked. I was so wrong. <laughs> he had a mono blue deck and countered everything. No matter what I played, he would just counter it while flashing in his Snapcaster Mage to swing for two. So game one was a flop. I figured that I would show him how my deck ran in the next match, but after five counters, I just scooped. I still shook his hand and said good game. What do you guys think? Should I have said something? Regards, MTG Daddy. P.S. Love the podcast all the way in the great white north. Hmm. Man, my I was prescient there with my Canadian accent when I said we should do the next post, eh? You were? Uh, I thought he's in up with like Santa Claus. Oh, well, maybe. I mean, that's also in the, that's the same place. Yeah. This could be Santa Claus. Uh, is Goblin Char Belcher the deck that's non-deterministic in modern? Yeah, I think it's like it's like an oops all spells kind of deck. I, it has tons of MDFCs in it, mm-hmm. and you basically like flip through your deck like casting shit for free. Um, and it's kind of this like crazy combo deck. Oh, I thought you just hit a big you activated it once and hit big damage. Yeah, but I thought there was Let's something where it. like Yeah, we should probably read the card. Reading the card explains the card. It does. Good choice. Uh, so Goblin Charbelcher says it's an artifact that costs four mana. It says pay three and tap, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal land card. Goblin Charbelcher deals damage equal to the number of non-land cards revealed this way to target creature or player. If the revealed land card was a mountain, Goblin Charbelcher deals double that damage instead. Put the revealed cards on the bottom of your library in any order. So basically you just like flip through your deck. It's full of very few lands, mostly MDFCs. I think no lands. And you just like... Yeah, I think it is no lands, and you flip through the entire deck, and then you just blast somebody and kill them. I mean, it's cool. <laughs> I think it's it a cool, cool deck. But getting countered over and over again, should this guy have said something? I like, said something in what sense, though? Because, like, isn't that the other player's deck is to counter spells and win the game? That's a good point. Like, I, I think even if you had gone into this and said, like, hey, let's have a lighthearted game. We both lost. Like, let's just kind of goof around and have a good time. You can't really goof around and have a good time with a mono blue counterspell deck. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, that deck is built to have a time that pisses other people off. <laughs> yeah. And stops them from doing their thing, you know? Uh, Tony's not here, so I'll say blue is a trash color for trash people. Boo. Boo. It's a beautiful <laughs> color for beautiful people. I mean, like, yeah, it's it's a control deck. Control deck's going to control. I don't know. Like, yeah. Please don't control the game, sir. It's still pretty rough though, man. It's definitely rough. And like, I sympathize with like, uh, again, it's like the second situation of like showing up to a modern night for the first time and yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not having it meet your expectations. So I definitely sympathize with that, but also like, you know, to, to play the devil's advocate from the other player's perspective, like that's the deck that they entered into the tournament with. And mm-hmm. like, again, you know, when you go into these Friday night, you generally have to submit a list. It's not like you can change decks after the fact, 
you know, yes, they were probably in the loss, the losing bracket at that point, maybe, you know, depending on how the tournament was organized, but um, that's the deck that they entered in for the night with. That's the deck they're going to play with. There's only so much they can do. And like, you know, to like not do the thing is yeah. playing with your food. Right. right. And it's like, yeah, I can, exactly. I can slow play or, you know, hold up things, but there's no power level conversations in a tournament like yeah. this. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, something that you just kind of have to accept. You're not owed showing the thing that your deck does in an event like this. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's a very commander mentality. We talk about it a lot being like, yes. you know, you want everybody to get a chance to kind of do the thing. Maybe not every game, but at least once or twice with the deck, maybe sometimes yeah. like it's fun to kind of show those different things that can happen in the game. Uh, you don't have to do that in a tournament. Like, if you really want to, after you lose game two, like show them, show them what your deck does. Be like, oh yeah, I'm playing a, a Belcher deck. It's supposed to get these things done. They might know what the deck does already. It might not be anything totally mm -hmm. new to them. Like often these sort of not solved metas, but metas where there are like a few fixed kind of lists, like often people kind of yeah. know about them. So no, I don't think this is a situation where you say something to someone, but if you do want to end on a more positive note lead with a compliment say that you know nice job <laughs> with your control deck you really got yeah. me there you always had the counter and then start just talking about your deck you know share what you think is cool about yeah. your deck to jump off like what you're saying here mike um when you go into an event like this where you know it's modern maybe it's a limited event maybe you're playing standard whatever uh, probably not limited actually but like modern standard you know, these like 60 card formats that again, aren't like solved, but have these like meta decks to them. It is very likely in most of these formats that there is a control meta deck. There's like some deck in the meta that is hard controlled and that's how it wins. It wins by shutting people out with counter spells. It wins by dropping stacks pieces, board wiping over and over again. You know, like that is just the game plan for the deck. Um, in EDH, a lot of those like really hard control builds have either been relegated to CDH or kind of, you know, agreed upon to be put in the corner of like high power EDH, or it even just gets like talked about beforehand and people are like, Hey, I have this kind of unpleasant deck. Like it almost hits this social contract piece where people aren't really running that hard control. So, I mean, it, it's kind of like you're walking into that control situation, you know, like you're going to see those decks. And just mechanically in commander control is much less of a viable solution. Like yeah. you can't control three other people's resources. Like that's just the balance there is too much to, for you to try and answer things like efficiently enough to stay on top of it. Whereas in a one-on-one -on -one situation, you can really continuously efficiently answer things yep. you know you're you're leading with mana advantage by answering things with a cheaper spell you're getting card advantage by drawing more than they are or you know two for wanting them with certain spells mm -hmm. it's like you can't do that at an effective rate in commander as easily sometimes you can but it's just like much less viable yeah and you just run into these situations in you know in like tournaments for these two-player formats where chances are you're probably going to go up against a deck that is a hard counter to yours because that's what happens when like people just bring multiple meta decks to a single fight. You know, they're built to battle through the meta and they're built to be good against certain decks in the meta and be bad against Well, and we'll have weaknesses against some other decks in the meta. Mm -hmm. Um, 
just kind of like you know this this is sort of interesting we're highlighting all these differences between <laughs> kind of commander and and other formats in this episode it's a very modern heavy yeah. knight that's for sure yeah makes me want to play some honestly it kind of it does. does like i'll be honest i really do enjoy two player format games uh, i'm definitely getting back into it it's funny not with magic i'm getting back into it with like one piece tcg but yeah. that type of like give and take with two people going head to head you can be way more cutthroat and that's really like where i cut my teeth with magic and just like being able to like think ahead of like what your opponent's going to do and like read their next move and hyper focus on one opponent scratches a different itch for me than playing mm -hmm. commander mm -hmm. um and truthfully i would love to play a hard control deck like this i, I think it'd be really fun <laughs> so i agree i think one of the things that i did uh which i haven't played the decks in a while but i just built like a small battle box of popper decks nice. and like you get the same the same type of experience but it costs you like one tenth of what it would do to yeah. know, do the same thing with modern decks like I think I have like four or five popper decks. Each deck was like 50 bucks tops. And they're all like, you know, of them, they're all pretty competitive with each other. You know, to go back to your kind of social contract stuff, a lot of the kind of quote unquote off meta stuff that you don't get to play in commander, like mm -hmm. hard control, land destruction. Like I have a, a, a mono black land destruction deck that slaps. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Even aggro to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you can do in other formats that you can't do in commander either because the the actual strategy is just not viable because it's three players or because it's you know taboo and, and people don't yep. like to play that way so like you know i i think a good way to you know just as like if you're if you're a you know commander players interested in 60 card formats just go buy a couple popper decks it's going to cost you like the cost of one card for your commander deck and you know you'll have a couple decks that you can just bust out and play Especially if you like go to like like an event or something and you get eliminated early, you can be like, hey, you want to play Popper? I have a couple of decks. Do you want to just slam a couple games yeah, like for definitely. fun? Like, I, I don't know. It, it's a very easy way to do that and like get that same experience of a, a more competitive 60 card format without having to spend big bucks to do it. And the cards don't rotate. That's so. usually when I like to play a game of Pile Gow, the amazing <laughs> game that Mike and I invented. No. The awesome magic format. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shake your head. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun format. It is not competitive. <laughs> that is oh, not... no, no, no. It's not competitive, but it's it's a great two-player format. So uh, what's the uh, the cell rating there, eh? Eh? Hey, he said he was from the Great Wide North. Presumably he's oh, oh, oh. What not is seen the... Brew. <laughs> oh. I think it's pretty salty, man. Like, yeah, I it's pretty salty. totally get that like you should all the stuff we've said is is valid like you should expect to go up against hard control decks it, it is just kind of like how the game goes a control deck can't really pull back and play like more of a lighthearted game it's just not its game plan but right. all that said i would still be salty and i wouldn't have a good time getting yeah, all my shit sucks. counterspelled two games in a row right uh, especially after just a whole night of like losing it's like okay well now i can finally like lay back chill have a really easy game with this person and they're like oh no no i'm counterspelling all your shit and i'm gonna beat you by attacking <laughs> you with a two-two for the entire game yeah yeah Thank God for commander precons, yeah. right? Because I think that's kind of the nutshell is if you want to get back into magic, going to modern events the first time, unless you've like really actually prepared ahead of time. I and like, like understand. I, I think like 
you know, did, yeah, it, fair. It might be their first. Uh, it might be their first MTG event in person and trying out some some fair. modern and stuff. Fair, but fair. like, it's not like our our buddy Phil from that first question who brought the the deck of chaff. Like Char Belcher is a good deck, you know. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, got a pretty nifty trick. Neato, even even still, I will say the like going to a more high stakes event as your first kind of in paper in public event is probably not a good way to go about it. And I think like commander precons do make it easier to just get a game in and not have to worry about yeah. power level Unless conversations. What and you're stuff looking like that for is extent. that competitive environment. Some people yeah, thrive fair. off that and you know, if that's what you're looking for, yeah, get get out there. Go go grind those tournaments, you know. Don't don't be held like, back from that. But it's a benefit to see how cutthroat it is mm-hmm. to get your shit kicked in. And then next time you're like, okay, well, you know, the first time I went, I, my deck was ready, but my mindset wasn't there. Now I'm going back in and I know what to expect when it comes to like the level of competitiveness that I'm going to see in this event. Right. Yep. And it is almost like a MTG Twitter mantra too of like commander players would benefit from getting some 60 card experience in, which is totally true. Like people should know the base way that the game was meant to be played, which is this mm-hmm. 60 card format. It's valuable to know. It helps you with the rules. It's just like really helpful overall, I think anyway, but you got to be able to have fun even when you go three, even if that sucks. Definitely. Facts. Well, guys, I think it might be that time of the week. Which time? Come on, Nick, you got to help me here. You got to fill in for Tony. <laughs> I don't know what the line is. What's the you line? Help us. We, we I just was just going to go, Mike, say... Mike, 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 Mike. That's all I know. That's <laughs> okay. the only thing I know. That's good. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's the time of the week where we say, Mike. Mike, 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 Mike. See, I, I was on cue that time. I got, yeah, it. got it. What's the salty card of the week? The salty card of the week. Always I want to mine with you and talk about cards with you and live in harmony, 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 always. <laughs> wow thank you nick wow some, what a treat unicorn attack yes. what a treat <laughs> the salty card of the week this week is possessed portal mm-hmm. it is an eight mana artifact if a player would draw a card that player skips that draw instead at the end of each turn each player sacrifices a permanent unless he or she discards a card from his or her hand that's a stacks piece for sure. That eight is a stacks though. piece. Eight man is a lot. This feels along the same lines of like the knowledge pool lock. Yep. Feels so, really similar to would that. Would this one make you salty, Nick? No, because I, A, I like those kind of pieces. And also eight man is very expensive. So like eight man, it better be winning you the game. You know, not, not to repeat myself too much while I'm on here, but like, yeah, <laughs> that that's a, that's a card Save that should line, win you Nick. the game. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Come on. It's true. Like, are you going to spend eight mana and just like, you know, get a land? I don't know. Like, no, man, I'm going to send four mana, put this in my graveyard and then trash the treasure, and bring it out. Yeah, there you go. On, on turn four. Yeah. And really stacks people out hard. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I think this probably would make me salty. I'll say that I've never come across this card. I'm trying to think of like how to break it uh, other than like cheating it in. I've never really come across it. Draw denial always sucks. And this is just pure draw denial. You know, there's a lot of draw denial out there yeah. that 
has a caveat that's like, okay, you can still get your first card or you can still right. draw one, but this, this is, is just like out. no one draws cards ever. Yep, you just so, don't draw on. The card that comes to mind to break this is Necropotence because Necropotence allows you to put cards in hand and not draw them. Yep. Or like having Halton and Paco, just anything that lets you, you know, Impulsive draw cards. Draw. Instead, yeah. Yeah. Any, any red, like, like a red artifact that could fucking jam this super easily. Yep. Um, the sacrificing stuff. I think that's another thing that you could break parody on with this. Mm-hmm. I, that probably the sacrificing piece probably wouldn't make me too salty, but it that coupled with the card draw denial is this like you're on a road to resource depletion when you're playing against this. Yeah. The interesting thing about that sacrifice clause is it's sort of meant to be the balance for the card because at some point yeah. you're likely forced into sacrificing the possessed portal mm-hmm. and yep. then everyone's back online again but if you're breaking that part then it isn't doing that obviously yeah i mean with the, like the prevalence of tokens these days it's so easy to just like poop something out every single turn that you can easily sack right i mean it seems interesting it doesn't seem so powerful that i would want to run it in a deck but it's cool it might make me salty situationally i don't know what do you think mike I think I could see this making me salty. I think I think also the reason I see this making a lot of people salty or has the high potential for it is usually if something comes down that really sucks, the answer is you either have an answer in hand or you dig for one. Mm-hmm. And this cuts one of those options away. You just have to have the answer in hand. If you don't, you can't dig for it. You don't have that option to try and draw mm-hmm. into something. Even if you have more draw spells, more That's things like that, you're forced into trying to use one of these other options of putting cards into your hand. And not everyone has that. And also, if this comes down, let's say it's a four-player game, you're player four, player one plays this, you're losing three permanents before like you even have a chance to Oh my god, dude. I... And try and do something. Yeah, I'm just like reading it correctly for the first oh, time. Yeah. At the end of Same. each turn, me, me too, bro. each player, each player sacrifices, sacrifices a turn. permanent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fucking really brutal. Okay, right. I take it back. This will make me okay. salty. That's fair. This card. It's eight mana. Yeah. Hey, it's eight this mana. A piece of shit. It is eight mana. It it's is eight mana. eight mana. I was like, sacrifice one thing, and I can't draw. Like that's stupid. But well, yeah, that is great. That's a lot of sacrificing. And, and that's the other thing you can do with this card. I play this. It goes a whole turn rotation. No one can draw. And at the end of the turn, right before my turn, I sacrifice this to its own effect and I get to draw a card. And just use it to like drain people out. On my draw step, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you could could recur it too. And then maybe recur it with something. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in like a Duretti Planeswalker deck. That's a fair (laughs) point, right? Because it's kind of like uh, if you were to take Torment of Hailfire and pay three into it, that's yeah. kind of what that would be in that case, right? You you play yeah. the mana, everybody sacrifices or discards three things, mm-hmm. and then you're okay. You could continue uh, to up your salty score rating of Mogus, Nick, if you slapped this in there. Yeah, but it's an artifact, so Yokel Hops does not uh, protect it at all. <laughs> though, so. That's true. That's true. I could rebuild my Duretti Mindslaver deck. Yeah, I mean that that this, that <laughs> That's does seem more like, realistic. That does yeah. seem like the type of deck that would want this kind of piece, uh, mm-hmm, which definitely. is like a high power Duretti stacks deck would would definitely like it. Or like I said, you know, Black has a lot of ways to put cards in hand without drawing them. Like there are ways to work around that clause that you mm-hmm. have something to discard to it that's not uh, going to make you sack it. Uh, and where do you think this lands on the salty card? So. I'm going to say my guess 
No, no. Let Sam go first because he always no, let, wins. Let Nick go first. <laughs> he always wins. <laughs> but I do want to talk about it because I have a theory that I want to talk about that I was realizing. Uh, gotcha. We'll okay. To I'm going to say it is, let's say 44, Mike. That mm-hmm. is my okay. guess. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I'm going to go with like a, f- mm, I feel like you said that number. I'm going to say 41. Wow. What a piece um, of shit. Fuck you. Going so close to me. <laughs> Well, Sam does get it because it is yeah. 78. Oh, oh man. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Man, take my guess from this episode and the last episode and fucking flip them, dude. Because I'm like, <laughs> well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is because I have a theory on why some of the cards are where they are. Uh, and actually, to answer that, to, to add to that, Mike, how many decks is this in, at least theoretically, according to EDH rec? Very low percentage. It's in not even 2,000 decks, just shy of 2,000. Yeah. Yeah. 1969. Oh, it's a good year. Good Landed year. on the moon that Great year. Great year. Good vintage. Good vintage. <laughs> just based on how EDH rec does their surveying for salty cards, you're always looking at the card individually without any sort of context behind it. So like... It's just showing you the card, right? If you read the card, does this yeah. make you salty? But it doesn't say like it is only in these decks. It costs X hundreds of dollars or, you know, X, you know, tens of cents, whatever it is. Um, and so I feel like a lot of the cards get pushed up artificially or pushed down, even potentially artificially in the salt ratings, just by the fact that on its face value, the card makes you salty, but in practicality you rarely would ever see it and therefore like it's not a card that's actually gonna you know get you real world salt because it's never happening but Mm -hmm. by the fact that edh rec is putting it in your face and saying does this card make you salty it it does kind of affect the ratings a bit anyway but i think i think that's fair because i think if it was based purely on cards that you have experienced salt from that would just be that would be a different list and i think that's not what they're trying to, to aim for I mean, just look at like the top three cards, like Winter Orb. When have you last seen Winter Orb in a game? Like, like I think I said this in the first episode of the show where we talked about Winter Orb. Winter Orb is like the boogeyman of EDH. People are always like, oh, that card fucking sucks. It's so shitty. It's so salty. Where is it? Where's the Winter Orb? Never, ever see it. it yeah. People run it in like one deck. Maybe two now that Maria got printed, Urza and Maria. And that's like pretty much it, you know? A lot of these cards just don't have the frequency to back up the salt, but they're still super salty. I will say that I had friends in my other pod who did play specifically, you know, mono blue stacks decks that were like winter orb stasis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Villains, dude. <laughs> villains. Absolute villains. Uh, he, that deck, I think, ran the the what's the the chronotog combo where you basically yeah, lock yeah. the game out and then don't take any turns so your opponents die to milling themselves. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> I've played against Winter Orb decks. I know how, I know how it works. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Again, to go back to the the earlier point, right? Like, there's definitely things that are taboo at this point, and those type of effects are certainly ones. Yeah, that, you know, certainly some of them. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. All right. Well, that wraps up the salty card of the week. Well, thanks, Mike, for that salty card. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine. If you want more Howling Salt Mine, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Salt Mine. We have our monthly extra salt show. We just put another one of those out with some some fresh deck techs with some of our favorite decks. Um, we also have our Stray Grains show. We're kicking off, I guess, 
I'd call it like season two of Stray Grains. I don't know. We had a couple weeks where we didn't post them, and now we're like loading up the the feed with them again. <laughs> the hopper. Yep. Stray Grains are a short form show. It's all like the little tangents, the bits. We're talking about video games, everything that doesn't make it into the show. Uh, video games, food dilemmas in tony's life it's really <laughs> funny <laughs> uh, we also have a great discord community people are getting games in when they can we're posting deck lists in our deck forum which i, I counted it up today because i was really bored at work and we have i think a couple more people posted in there we have 140 decks in wow. our deck list forum isn't that nice. fucking crazy um it's a good time come check it out we would love your support and if you can't do that another great way to support us is to give a five-star review in any podcast app that you may be listening to. Really is a great way to help out the podcast and increase our visibility. Also, if you have a salty story that you want featured on a future episode, email it to us. Send it to our Gmail, which is thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com, or DM it to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, wherever. Uh, We'll find it. We'll stick it in the queue, and you'll hear it on a future episode. Um, with Reddit doing weird things these days, now is a time where we need your salty stories even more than before. Please come back, Reddit. (laughs) Nice. Or don't. (laughs) Fight the good fight. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Reddit CEOs do the right thing, and then Reddit, please open your doors again. There you go. (laughs) If you want to support the show in a different way and rock some of our swag, we have a bonfire store where you can get some of our merchandise. We've got t-shirts on there hoodies, crop tops, all the different cuts and sizes that you want with our logo, the podcast logo. We got the borderless on there. And we also have the blue is a trash card shirt, which people love. Trash color for trash people shirt. Trash color for trash people. Lastly, we got a shout out JD Burnett, our amazing podcast artist for gifting us this beautiful art that we rock every single day, every single week with this show. Um, If you're ever down in Asheville, North Carolina, hit up JD and get a tattoo from him. He's a really cool guy. Nick, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for filling in for Tony. Thank you for having thanks, me. Nick. I am uh, obligated to say that I am not a full-time member of the podcast and I'm not being paid <laughs> for this appearance. Everything I say is of my own volition and does not represent <laughs> the Holling Salt Mine podcast. <laughs> now you have to say that every episode. <laughs> You've cursed yourself to this. That's fine. I'll do it. Oh, I'll man. fucking do it. <laughs> well, stay salty, everybody. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the howling saltmine. The What's the salty card of the week? Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Wait, that's usually the later part. <laughs> Corset 2013 had just dropped. I had... Oh, I had a toe. Stop. Hi-ya! <laughs> Hi-ya!